This is a podcast from the University of Manchester's Jodrell Bank Center for Astrophysics. For the full show and archives, visit jodcast.net. Hello. An interesting variety of news this month, with Chandrayaan-2 splitting into its lander and orbiter, a synthetic catalogue of black holes, and an interesting 3D-printed binocular telescope. Firstly, India's Chandrayaan-2, developed by the Indian Space Research Organisation, ISRO, has split into its lander craft and orbiter. The mission, launched on 22nd of July, is India's attempt to land at the lunar south pole, an area of the moon not really explored by landers as of yet. It contains equipment for measuring elemental composition and abundance, as well as high-quality cameras for mapping, and equipment to detect subsurface water ice, among other things. The lander has been performing manoeuvres to prepare it for this, with a lunar orbit insertion on August 20th to get it to an orbit of 114 by 18,072 kilometres in a large ellipse. You see, the way it works is that the orbit was raised around... The way this craft was aimed to get towards the moon was to go into a high Earth orbit, keep raising its orbit around the Earth before a manoeuvre which transitioned it from an Earth orbit to a lunar orbit, and then steadily lowering the altitude of the lunar orbit to bring it in close to the moon. So it could use its onboard propulsion system to reduce this orbit from the lunar orbit insertion, first going to 118 by 4,412 kilometres on August 21st, and 179 by 1,412 kilometres on August 28th, before 124 by 164 kilometres on August 30th. On the 1st of September, the final orbital manoeuvre was made, achieving an orbit of 119 by 127 kilometres. This worked well and meant that 13.15 International Standard Time on the 2nd of September, the lander could successfully be separated from the orbiter, where it will now attempt to gently fall in again, reducing its orbit and moving downwards, to make a soft landing on the moon on September the 7th. This is so far good news. While the difficult job of landing is still to come, this successful set of manoeuvres and detachment will allow the astronomers to breathe a sigh of relief. Everything has gone smoothly so far, and with the lander detached, the bare minimum is that the orbiter is well set for science. It would be incredibly unlucky now if something bad was to happen to it. According to the ISRO, all systems are healthy, and both craft are faring well. And if you'd like to see some footage of what has been done already, the ISRO website has some very good images of the lunar surface taken by their terrain mapping camera, which was, of course, taking images while this craft was in orbit. Also in the news was an interesting synthetic catalogue of black coals. Scientists Olejek, Berzinski, Bulik and Sabolevska have made a synthetic catalogue of black holes in the Milky Way. You see, at the moment... Detecting black holes is very difficult. You've got gravitational wave detectors, which have found a few from things like mergers, and some are inferred from interactions with other objects, such as a binary companion. So when it comes to our next experiments in attempting to look for and find black holes in our galaxy, how do we get some idea of where to look and what we might find? Well, this paper is 
an attempt to use cosmological simulations and our knowledge of galaxies and stars to make a catalogue of the properties and numbers of black holes that we should expect in the Milky Way, roughly. There's been some research before getting figures such as estimates for the number of black holes that we expect in our galaxy and the number of those in binaries. The authors have made an open access database containing useful statistical properties of black holes based on their cosmological models. In this case, common configurations, numbers of black holes, masses, velocities, places of origin, for example, are these in the bulge of the Milky Way? What do we expect to see in the disk? What do we expect to see in the halo around that? And this could be a useful guide for missions which aim to detect black holes, to search in more effective ways. Finally, an interesting 3D printed binocular telescope was developed by an amateur astronomer and astronomy science communicator called Robert Asimendi. It's an interesting telescope, so I'd like to talk about it. It's called the Analog Sky Drifter. Now, the idea of using 3D printing to allow kit-build scientific telescopes is by no means a new thing. A good example of this would be the PiCon, a design for a low-cost Newtonian-style telescope, but with the Raspberry Pi camera where the angled mirror would normally be. Another example might be the Ultrascope project, which was aimed at making a fully automated robotic observatory using a mix of 3D printed and laser cut parts with an Arduino and shield to do the remote operation of the telescope. The Analog Sky Drifter is interesting in that it's a binocular telescope designed for ease of use. You see, binoculars are very useful when you're looking through them compared to a single eyepiece. And the design is something that is made to allow easy and fast focusing, comparable to the way you'd use a regular set of binoculars. Generally, binocular telescopes are less commonly made than single eyepiece designs. And if you think about it, you can see the reason why. You've got far more lenses to design, align and put in place, as well as multiple components that are repeated and mirrored because of the fact you're using binoculars. And if you're an amateur astronomer in the past, trying to fabricate these with woodwork or metalwork skills would be incredibly time-consuming because you have to design everything twice. But with the advent of things like 3D printing and computer-aided design, this is far less of a pain. Now, what I find interesting is the designer made this to have a telescope which worked with his astigmatism, which is a problem with the curvature of the cornea in your eye, which impedes the ability to focus light onto your retina, leading to blurred vision. Being able to then put both eyes on the sky and have your brain's full ability dedicated to putting images together like it usually does when you're seeing things makes a binoscope useful if that's something you have or for a number of other vision defects or vision difficulties. It's also interesting because it shows the power now that amateur astronomers have to improve their ability to see the sky. It'll be interesting to see what other designs and ideas come out of giving those with the passion and time the tools they need to improve their work. This could be, if anything, just another small step along a very long and interesting road. But that's all for the news this week. Let's head back to the studio.